Good afternoon. This is Jeff Thomas from He is the Way and the Truth and the Life Ministries, and I would like to welcome each of you to another time that we can share in the Word in the broadcast of words from the Word of God. As we begin today, I want to look back. I want to look back at our first two studies that we did in, in the book of Romans chapter 1. And in a quick review, for the sake of time, we will not reference all the scriptures that we did before, but we want to establish what Paul, the Apostle Paul, was writing as he was inspired of God as to what to write and guided by the Holy Spirit as he wrote. Um, we want to look back just a few minutes and refresh our minds as to what the Word of God has revealed to us so far. So as we turn in the book of Romans to chapter 1, we see Paul in verse 1 saying, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, if you will recall, we, in our first study, uh, identified or, or defined the words the gospel, and that was uh, good news or good tidings, or in verb form, as you would speak the gospel, uh, heralding the good news or heralding the good tidings. But as we went on, we saw that uh, Paul immediately points us back to the Old Testament in verse 2. He says, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And then in verse 3, he says, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. That means he was through the lineage of David as his mother Mary was a part of that lineage. But then in verse 4, I like this, he says, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. My friend, what a statement there. Paul does not want anyone to mistake who he is speaking of right here as he begins this wonderful book. And he expresses right here the theme of the whole book, the righteousness of God revealed or the gospel of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. I tell you, it is a wonderful thing to know, and I think it's important for us to know, as he said, by the resurrection from the dead. You see, Jesus died for our sins on Calvary's cross. He shed every drop of his precious blood there for our redemption, our forgiveness, and our salvation, that through him, and through him, right there, but he was buried, but through him, as he was resurrected on the third day, as the living Savior, and he ascended after 40 days after that, teaching his disciples and, and instructing them in the things of the kingdom of heaven. After 40 days, he ascended into heaven, as the scripture tells us, and we can rest upon it, that he is seated right now at the right hand of the Father in glory, uh, and he has entered into the veil, not made with hands, and he has secured us, for eternal, all those that will uh, rest in him and accept him as Savior, uh, basically he has anchored our souls right there in heaven right now. But Paul wants to make it clear right here. No one should mistake who Paul is speaking of in this wonderful opening statement. 
Jesus Christ, the risen Savior. And I, I, I look back to the old song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. I don't know about you, but because I, because my Savior lives, I live, and because he lives, he is more, his grace is more than enough for anything I can face in this life. Therefore, I can face all the tomorrows. But I want to go on. Uh, as we move on to our in our review, because for the sake of time, uh, and I'm going to try to make this as brief as I can, but I want you to understand something. We cannot hydroplane our way through Scripture and expect to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We spend time on social media, hours and hours a day, looking at junk. We listen to junk. We hear this and that and the world see all this other stuff. But when it comes to the word of God, we want to just skip by and just go on and don't want to hear what somebody's got to say. If God is speaking to you through something that's put on social media, I, it behooves us. And I'm talking about me as well. It behooves us to listen to what the Lord is telling us. So let's take some time today and look at what the word of God is telling us. But as we move on over uh, into verse 15 of Romans chapter 1, Paul says, So as much as is in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And then he says in verse 16, uh, and this is, uh, I wish we all had this testimony, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the non-Jew. And he said, verse 17, one reason, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the, and then in verse 18, and this is where we left off last time in our last study. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down or suppress the truth, God's word, in unrighteousness. And we spoke last time, we were talking about two reasons Paul reveals here that he's not ashamed to share the gospel and why we should not, because Number one, it is the power of God and the salvation. It, it, God's power, it is to sal for salvation to all those that what? Everyone that believeth. Uh, and he says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. That's his first uh, reason for not being ashamed of the gospel. He says, the, to the Jew, for, I'm sorry, excuse me, let me catch back up where I was. The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Notice that statement. Faith to faith, not faith to works. Uh, works has nothing to do with this, and he's making that plain here. It is all obtained, it is all a result of our faith in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. But then he gives the second reason in verse 18. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Hey, I don't know about you, but that's a good reason right there. And we read, if you remember last time from Revelation chapter 20, as the Lord took us over there, verses Revelation 20, 
verse 11 through uh, 15, where we read of the great white throne judgment and all those who were not found written in the book of life, uh, which is the Lamb's book of life, uh, were cast into the, the lake of fire uh, and eternally separated from God, which is the second death. You know, I heard an old preacher say one time, if you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born twice, you'll die once. You know, if we're born naturally one time and we never are born again in the Spirit through Jesus Christ our Lord, if we don't experience that spiritual birth, we will die twice. And that's pretty much what Revelation is telling us. It speaks of the second death. You die physically and then you're eternally spiritually dead, separated from the presence and power of an almighty God throughout eternity in a lake of fire that is never quenched. Uh, that is a great hopeless circumstance right there. And he says the wrath of God is revealed. And I said last time we shouldn't, those are those out there, there's churches and places out there that preach nothing but the love of God and they want to feel good and they don't want to be convicted. <clears throat> but <clears throat> on the other hand, might I say that they are uh, entities out there that are, are just preaching on the wrath and nothing of mercy and nothing of love and nothing of grace. You're going to die and go to hell if you don't accept Christ. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus, when he came and said the kingdom of God is at hand, he also preached of love, but he also preached of wrath. So there was a balance in the two of his preaching, the gospel. You know, the kingdom of God is at hand. God loved you enough to send me. And if you accept me, you can be saved and you can be born into the family of God. You can experience the new birth as he told Nicodemus. But he said, if you reject me, judgment will be passed upon you. The wrath of God will come upon you and is upon you now. But there's one thing I want to state here today. Uh, I, I read a statement the other day in an article, and the author stated that, and I made this statement in the last, uh, the, the last broadcast. I said, God loves the sinner, but he hates the sin. And I read an article the other day where this, this author, and I will not mention a name, but he said that statement is only barely true on the face of it, that God hates sinners. And he referenced scripture, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was Psalms chapter 11, verses 4 and 5, where it says, God's soul hateth the wicked. Okay, I understand that. God, but I, I beg to differ because as I read right here in scripture, the Apostle Paul says here in chapter 5 of Romans, he says, Therefore, being justified by faith, and justified is an act of God where he declares you through salvation in Jesus Christ, his son, that you are not guilty. Your, your record in heaven is wiped clean. But right there, by being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into his grace, unmerited favor, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. But listen to this verse. 
And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. My friend, that right there in the language is carried, the love of God is shed abroad. That means it is com continually being poured out into our hearts and revealed to us by the Holy Ghost. And that's the two words I want to concentrate on today is it, where the Apostle Paul said, and I'll go back to it right quick. Don't mean to confuse you, but for the sake of time, I'm trying to get to this. Uh, I want you to notice two things right here, and I want to concentrate and focus on the words, is revealed, is revealed, okay? Paul, the Apostle Paul back in Romans chapter 1 said, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Is the righteousness of God revealed? It is, hey, like I said the other day, well, let's read verse 18. He said, for that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, is revealed. Hey, our God is eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Nothing takes him by surprise, nothing at all. But he is revealing, has revealed, and will always reveal two things. His righteousness in Christ Jesus. And number two, his wrath against what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, God judges our sin nature, but for us to understand that, I want to go back here to chapter 5 again of Romans. And he says, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is what? Is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. And then he says, For when we, listen, when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for who? The ungodly. And then he says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love, listen now, commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, in that we, while we were yet sinners, listen, Christ died for us much more. Then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? The wrath through him. The wrath that has been revealed. The wrath that it is revealed. So when I hear someone say, well, the statement that God hate love is a sinner but hate sin and i hear somebody say that's a false statement on its face and it's not supported by scripture i beg to differ because it says right here as the apostle paul tells us through the holy spirit the love of god is revealed it is poured out and it's a continual action as he pours out his love in our hearts he sheds it abroad and our fills us up with his love Hey, dear friend, I don't know about you, but that's wonderful. It, the Holy Spirit pours out and reveals God's love. So we not only have God's righteousness revealed in Christ, we have God's love revealed in, his, in, in Christ, and we also have ra uh, his wrath revealed in Christ. You say, wait a minute now, what are you talking about? Well, let's look at this for a minute. The... Uh, the um, 
<coughs> excuse me, if I may say, there is a pattern, pattern in Scripture uh, from Genesis uh, to Revelation. Uh, there's a pattern, or can I say a theme? Uh, and that is God's commandments or laws, man's disobedience and rebellion against God's laws, condemnation and judgment of God upon the disobedience. Then after that, there is a call to repentance. And then throughout Scripture, there is a reconciliation of mankind, which means we are brought back to God is bringing us back into a right relationship with him. But it is made by the blood of an innocent sacrifice. The red line of blood is revealed of an innocent sacrifice being able to reconcile us to God. And the only thing that can reconcile us to a holy and righteous God is the blood of an innocent sacrifice. It is the red line of that innocent sacrifice, blemish-free sacrifice, runs throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And that is culminated, the Old Testament, everything foreshadows and points toward the cross. Everything after the cross looks back to the cross. So it was pointing to in the Old Testament in the prophets as we see man's rebellion against God continuously in the history of the children of Israel and his condemnation. Uh, they went into captivity. Everything was destroyed. The temple was burned. Uh, and they just brought a, a mockery of God by their actions, but God condemned them in judgment, but he always uh, saw a way to call them back to repentance. And it was always by reconciliation, by sacrifice. Amen? But now, I want to go back to chapter 1 right here. You see, because Paul is not only telling us that these are two reasons we should not be ashamed of the gospel, but he is pointing us Back to Calvary. Hey, everything from the cross on, the, the, the cross of Jesus Christ stands in the center of eternity. Stands in the center of eternity. All Old Testament scripture, prophets and scriptures, holy scriptures, as Paul called them in verse 2 here of Romans chapter 1, were promised afore by his prophets and holy scriptures. Jesus was the fulfillment of all Old Testament types, experiences, sacrifices, blood, the countless uh, innocent lambs and animals that were, were slain for the, the blood for the, the Day of Atonement each year as the high priest only could enter into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat. Hey, I'm here to tell you, Jesus fulfilled all that. But now as we move forward from the cross and the resurrection of our Savior, we see no other greater picture as we look back to his cross of the righteousness of God being revealed in the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, sinless, blameless, blemish-free sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And we also have no greater picture than the wrath of God being revealed, being revealed from heaven upon his son on that cross. I tell you what, uh, I look back at uh, the scripture where Jesus said at one of his, as he cried with a loud voice, my God, my God, 
Why hast thou forsaken me? My friend, the language there can be reset as he was saying, Why have you, my God, let me down? Hey, I tell you, it points to the wrath of God being revealed in him as all of our sins, the sins of the world, and the penalty for our sins, which was death. Yes, God pronounced uh, physical death upon Adam, and he also pronounced spiritual death. He was separated from God, and it took a sacrifice. As, as God proclaimed it in Genesis 3.15, it would take a seed of a woman, born of a virgin, uh, her seed, hey, he would bruise his heel, but he would crush Satan's head. And that happened at Calvary. But I want you to see something revealed today in Christ. As we see the Holy One of God, God himself, God in the flesh, the Son of God, the second person of the triune spirit, crucified on Calvary's cross. Therefore is the righteousness of God revealed. And if we can point sinful man to the cross, as Paul is pointing us here, we see that his righteousness and his sacrifice and his blood are the only thing that can draw us to and give us the righteousness that is acceptable to God. We have no righteousness in and of ourselves for any good works that we do. But also, I want you to notice something, the wrath of God. Hey, Jesus paid a price that you and I should have had to pay. He paid our sin debt, and that was to satisfy God's righteous judgment upon the sin, the sin nature of mankind. Paul said it was revealed against the ungodliness, all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Oh, I don't know about you, but Jesus took all that on the cross. He took all the ungodliness. He took all the unrighteousness. And God, in some supernatural way, revealed his wrath from heaven as he fired it down from heaven upon his son. And I have no doubt in those three dark hours at Calvary, hey, Jesus paid a price for us eternally that we should have paid. He died physically, yes, and as Isaiah 52, the latter part in 53, tell us he suffered physically more than you and I could ever suffer. But I'm here to tell you today, my friend, he suffered the spiritual part. He died eternally. People say, well, I don't agree with that. Well, why would Jesus ever say to his father who they never had a time of broken communion. Why would he in the three dark hours of Calvary with a loud voice before he gave up to go say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hey, he was forsaken. God's wrath was poured out for me and you. And not only, that's what Paul's pointing us to here in verses 17 and 18. Hey, he's saying, look to the gospel. Look to the gospel. Look to the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the risen Savior. He died on Calvary's cross. His blood was shed for your forgiveness. And his, God's wrath was poured out. So it doesn't have to be poured out upon you. Paul is back basically pointing us there and God is saying to our heart, hey, I, I um, forsook my son 
I could not commune with my son because of your sin, but your sin has been judged in him. My wrath is revealed. And yet, because he's risen, because he is the Savior, he defeated the power of Satan and sin in our lives. The Bible says, for all his sinning comes short of the glory of God. But then, right in that next verse, being justified freely. Remember what I said about justification, and I'll close. I'm sorry I went long today. Justified means that God declares us not guilty. And he says, being justified freely, and that word freely, yeah, it means, okay, that's free gift, but no, it means undeservedly. He justified undeservedly by his grace, his unmerited favor, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Hey, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. The propitiation is the mercy seat, but it is also the sacrifice that satisfied God's holy wrath upon our sin. Jesus was the mercy seat that hit, sprinkled in his own blood. Therefore, we can declare, and he can declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past because of Christ and what he paid there. Because Paul says right here, the righteousness is revealed and the wrath is revealed. It is revealed in no other greater form or picture than Calvary's cross. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you today. I did not intend to go this long, but I pray that the Lord would direct me and how he would have me to go today. And I pray that you would have a blessed day and a blessed week and a wonderful weekend. God bless.